This may be found in your pew Bibles on page 1559. Mark 5, starting at verse 21 to the end of the chapter. A dead girl and a sick woman. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you could ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. They gave strict orders not, he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Thus far the reading of God's word. Just before we get started, I thought what we might do is uh, I'm just going to uh, give the sermon and, and after that I will... Uh, I will tell you something about Kenya, and it's all kind of connected. And if we cannot get the music, do you think we might be able to get the music up next time? Okay, that's great. I was going to suggest an alternate song, but then we will do that.
So, uh, brothers and sisters in Bethel, uh, I'm, I am happy to be here, and uh, today I will uh, preach on the text that we've read, and then also tell, tell you something about the work in Kenya that the uh, Northern Alberta Diaconal Conference through the Kenya Committee has been doing. And so we read, we heard about two women, one at the beginning of life, full of promise, loved by her family, uh, but struck by illness and then death. And the other woman, frail, suffering from a debilitating illness and at her wit's end. Mark tells the stories, as you notice, Mark tells the stories uh, sort of sandwiched. The, the story of Jairus is sandwiched in between, uh, sorry, the, the, uh, the story of the... Uh, of the woman who touched Jesus is sandwiched in between uh, the story of, of the synagogue ruler, his daughter. And Mark does that once in a while. And how are they related? Both stories are about faith and about women who are beyond the help of doctors. The Gospel of Mark is so readable. Quite a few years ago, um, an actor in Edmonton reci recited the whole gospel from memory as if it was a play, and it moves right along. I was just totally fascinated. And it's, it's, so it's a good uh, gospel to read for family devotions. And uh, today, then, we deal with the story of the woman who touched Jesus' cloak. Pandemonium reigns. Jesus, uh, the fascinating new rabbi who can heal people, has come to Galilee. And anyone, everyone wants a, a piece of him. Even the head of the synagogue wants him to come and look at his daughter. And others want to talk to him. So slowly he pushes his way through the crowd. People press to him from all sides. For some strange reason, when I was uh, going over this sermon last night, I had to think a little bit of Mayor Rob Ford pressing out of his office. It was like that. People were all around. That's where, that's where the comparison ends, by the way. <laughs> and so, as we follow Jesus through the uh, Galilee in the opening chapters, we find him healing the sick, teaching, telling parables, and restoring outcasts. This is the message of the kingdom. The kingdom is what's happening around Jesus right then and there. And Jesus is beginning his ministry, and what he does and say is certainly making people sit up and take notice. And the story of our text then is inside the story of the healing of the daughter of the synagogue ruler. And while we are told the name and the lofty position of the synagogue ruler, Jairus, uh, we know little of the woman of our text. We don't know her name or whether she has a husband or a family. And while Jairus uh, asks him to come and lay his hands on his daughter, the woman of our text is more self-effacing. But Jesus takes time to stop and talk to her. While Jairus cools his heels uh, and impatiently waits for Jesus to come and touch his uh, talk, uh, heal his daughter, 
Jesus stops. The great and the nameless are both important to Jesus. Eventually, Jesus heals both. And so we listen about the story. We listen to the story of the woman who taught uh, Jesus' cloak, and we are aware of a lot of gospel. As Jesus walks through Galilee, things are not well in Israel. Most Jews will tell you that. The country is occupied by the Romans and is in danger of losing its identity. The Pharisees feel that the way to deal with that is to put emphasis on the laws of Moses and laws that make some people comfortable and other people very uncomfortable. And some people are clean and other people are not clean. And that is not a comfort to the woman of our text. In fact, to be quite blunt about it, the laws of Moses have made her life miserable. In the temple, that's where things are clean, and that's where you can become clean again. And that's what the Pharisees tell the people of Israel. The temple is a place where most Romans would not go, and where an unclean woman cannot go. We may not like it. We may think it's awfully quaint that because of her condition she cannot go there, but that's how it is. And so the laws of clean and unclean add to her problems. And she's ill, she's broke, and she's an outcast. She is in desperate circumstances. In the Gospel of Mark, we are told in more detail than in Matthew and Luke about the distress in which the woman finds herself. She suffers from a personal and for her uh, embarrassing ailment. She's been bleeding for 12 years, and so we can be sure that she has been losing strength and all of her physical reserves. And why that ailment might be quite treatable nowadays there's very little that could be done for her at that time. And she has exhausted all that doctors can do for her. Mark tells us that she has spent all of her money on doctors and in the hopes of finding a cure. And she has suffered under their care, we are told, not without a little bit of sarcasm. And so she spent all her money, so now she's broke as well. And the only ones to benefit from her uh, situation are the doctors. And so instead of getting wor- uh, better, she got worse. And of course we realize, that's already been uh, clear right from the beginning, that she, uh, uh, this ailment makes her unclean. According to Mosaic law, she is not clean. And what we may not be aware of is the extent to which this affects her life and her happiness. She is unclean, and anyone who touches her and anyone she touches will be unclean. And that includes her husband and her children, if indeed she is married and has children. And it affects her marriage relationship. In fact, she probably cannot even prepare meals for other people. 
And certainly she cannot worship in the temple. And she's an outcast, as much as a leper is an outcast. In body, she is sick. Economically, she is broke. Socially and religiously, she's an outcast. And she's at her wit's end. But she has an idea, and it's her last resort. So she decides to act. And she wades into the crowd to touch Jesus. Never mind that I'm unclean and that everyone that I touch will be unclean. She doesn't worry about that at all. This is a time for action. And we don't know how much she knows about Jesus. She may have heard about his miracles, his parables, or about the way he reaches out to the outcast and the poor and the ill. Or perhaps she just knows that he's famous. It wasn't uncommon to touch a person like that. And so she leaves the house and she goes out to try and touch him in the crowd. And so she reaches out to Jesus. Her faith is rewarded because immediately she feels a change in her body. And she knows she's healed. Instead of making Jesus unclean, he has made her clean. And so now she feels in a way that she's whole again. And now she, all she would like to do is to go to the temple to see the priest uh, who will declare her clean, and she hopes that that will be the end of the story. But that's not how the event uh, unfolds at all. Most people are, te- touch- most people are touching uh, Jesus in the press of the crowd, but amazingly he senses that a healing power has gone out from him. And when Jesus asks about it, the disciples are astonished, even a little sarcastic. What do you mean someone has touched you? Look at the crowd. People are teaching you, touching you all the time. And, but Jesus persists. And the woman comes forward. And this is the last thing that she wants to happen. It's clear that Jesus wants to make sure that the woman knows who has healed her. She must know that it was not just the teaching of some teacher, the touching of some teacher that has made her whole. No, she must know that now she is in touch with the Lord of life. And so Jesus calls her back to establish a personal contact with her so that the woman will know that she's dealing with the Savior. And he establishes a personal contact with a woman without a name. To tell her he is the Messiah that has come to, tell, to save Israel. Once that is clear, Jesus speaks to her in a kind and encouraging way. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So this daughter in Israel regains her health, her life, and her place in the community. She can kiss her kids and her husband. She can cook a meal, if she wants to, and go to the temple or synagogue to pray. In five short verses, we read a gospel story, a story of restoration. And as the woman leaves the crowd, we see that she is healed and that she is cleansed. The woman's whole life 
whole life, this is what I'm focusing on today, that her whole life is made better again. She feels better. She can worship, touch people, touch food. She can be part of the community. Jesus heals the whole person. Healing and cleansing are two themes in the Gospel of Mark. In the first chapter already, we see a man healed because Jesus throws an evil spirit out of him. And in Mark 4, we see a man chained hand and foot in a cemetery, and he's healed when Jesus throws his evil spirits out into a herd of pigs. For those of you like me who love farm animals, this is sometimes a little discouraging. The sister is also cleansed. There are, these two things are related, of course, especially in Israel at the time of Jesus, but there's a lot of gospel in how it happened. Cleansing is being made clean in the laws, in the eyes of the laws of Moses. Jesus is saying loud and clear, this is a new situation. The old is gone. The new is here. And I am what's new. Don't put new wine in old wineskins. I've come to take the place of the temple. Behold, I make all things new. I am the new temple, the new covenant. Everything in Mark says new times are coming. Not surprising if we think about it in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 4, the message to the woman at the well is exactly the same. Gentiles will worship where they are, where they live. They will not be unclean. In Jesus, all will be included and all will be clean. Matthew confirms this when he says, I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. So as we, go, as we think about this, the words of Jesus all of a sudden just hit home to us. Destroy this temple and in three days... I will raise it up. This new temple, Jesus, includes people and does not exclude them. In Ephesians we read, Now in Christ Jesus you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. He has destroyed the barrier, the dividing, the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus can make us clean, all of us. And he invites all of us to be part of a new humanity, the new kingdom. It's here, now. As we step back uh, from our story, we stand amazed at the salvation the woman received from Jesus Christ. She ventures forth and she touches him and she is restored to her family and her community. This is a story about restoration. And we saw a restoration of the whole person, physically, socially, financially, religiously. The Gospel of Mark makes it clear that we resemble the woman in our condition, in our need to be made well and whole again. Will I reach out and touch the hand of, and, and have the hand of faith and touch him and be in touch with him and have him touch and heal me? That's the question that faces us today. And when we have received healing, will we tell others? We have heard the gospel today. Jesus Christ came to heal and to cleanse Jew 
and Gentile, woman and man, rich and poor, just as we heard in the song. This is a gospel that we cannot withhold from others, and that is the great commission. Let us not hide Christ's light, but show it to others, for the Messiah has come and walked among us so close that we can touch him, and he touches us. And so now, I'm actually going to, I short the, we heard the gospel today, so we can't complain about the fact it was a little shorter, but I wanted to tell you something now about how this uh, affects, or how this, what this has to do with what the Northern Alberta Diaconal Conference in the case, about the fact 